Hey guys, Cliff Ravenscraft here, and this is an episode that is a little bit out of the norm. In fact, this happens to be a podcast episode for two different podcasts. I've made the decision that this particular episode is going to be both Podcast Answer Man episode number 405 and also Pursuing a Balanced Life episode number 609. So I will be releasing this in both podcast feeds. The reason for that will become evident in in just a moment. The recording that I'm about ready to share with you happened on Wednesday, May 20th, which is today, as I'm recording this right now, this new intro. And the recording is a call for my Green Room Mastermind group that I Uh, have with uh, several amazing people such as Ray Edwards, Leslie Samuel, Pat Flynn, Mike Stilsner, and Mark Mason. Uh, Six of us get together every single week for an hour and each week one of us is in what we call the hot seat. I talk about that in episode number 400. You can go to podcastanswerman.com slash 400 if you want to learn more about mastermind groups and how you can start your own. Anyway, Today, I was in the hot seat, and uh, for those of you who may not be aware, maybe you do not follow me either on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or maybe you're not on my mailing list, and if you're not, I would encourage you to sign up for my mailing list at podcastanswerman.com slash list, or uh, follow me on on Facebook, facebook.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft, but um, Everybody who follows me in those areas that had checked their their news feeds or email inboxes uh, anytime between Saturday and through uh, last night, uh, then they may already be aware that uh, this weekend has has been both a one of the saddest moments in my life and also one of the most rewarding times uh, in my life. Um, Many of you know that I have been training for the last six months for a triathlon. Actually, that's not true. Um, I have been working out six days a week every week and had made a commitment that I would do that for the rest of my life. And at the same time that I made that commitment, I also agreed to do a triathlon. And the reason why I make the distinction is because, well, what I've been doing working out six days a week has not been in training for any particular event, although at the same time, I certainly did do some things in my training uh, that I may not have done, did I say that right? Anyway, that may not have done had I not made the commitment to do this triathlon. For example, I don't know that I would be an avid bike rider, you know, a cyclist, if you will, as I am today. I mean, I, I matter of fact, uh, later you're going to hear it anyway. It, it, you'll hear about what I'm what I'm getting ready to do this afternoon uh, later in the in the recording, so I don't need to go over that. I certainly wouldn't have jumped into a swimming pool and practiced swimming and, and stuff like that. So I'm thankful that I did those things. I'm, I'm thankful that I, I, I had this triathlon. And so in essence, what I've been doing, working out over the past six months, has helped me train. And by the way, that for those who don't know this, it, the triathlon is not like an Ironman or something like that. It, this is uh, this was my first athletic event ever. Well, that's not true. I guess maybe as a kid I played basketball, but you know what I'm saying. Um, this is the first athletic competition slash race I've ever been a part of in my entire life. And uh, what I did was what's called a sprint triathlon. It's it's a mini triathlon. It was 200 yards of swimming, 
10 mile bike ride and two mile run or well you'll find out how i ended that uh, in a little bit as well anyway so that triathlon was this past weekend and i was in tennessee and in the middle of the night uh, the night before the triathlon i got a call that uh, basically changed everything in my mind and you know what, I am going to now just go ahead and transition over to the recording from the Mastermind Group, and and if you don't know what's happened this past weekend, it will become quite evident to you, and and then I, and obviously you'll understand as you listen to the recording of this Mastermind call why I'm including this as my podcast episode this week, and I just want to warn you, um, you may by the end of this be in tears and and you know I I, I want to give you that warning right now and in fact I, I want to tell you I just finished listening to the call and and making sure that everything you know where do I want to end the actual recording of that call and and, and make that the end of this episode and I'm just going to tell you right now there's no special me coming back at the end of this to say goodbye or see you next week I will be back next week but um, I just want to let you know the very end of this podcast, it ends sort of abruptly and extremely emotionally. But um, I just have to say I want to thank each and every one of you. And, and literally there have been hundreds of you who have extended uh, me uh, condolences. Uh, you, you've told me about your prayers and they have been felt powerfully. And I thank you. Uh, and I And I know because of social media and, and the statistics that they show that, that there have been thousands of you out there who have been praying for me uh, ever since this past weekend. And well, my friends, I'm about ready to share with you something that, that to be honest with you, is very difficult. I'm all about authenticity and transparency, but, but you'll understand why this is a difficult thing to share. But at the same time, I'm confident that sharing this with you, both in Podcast Answer Man and Pursuing a Balanced Life, I'm absolutely confident that it's the right thing to do to share it exactly as I told those guys because what I shared with them was exactly what was on my heart and there is no sugarcoating it there is no glossing over it is authentically what was what was going through my mind this weekend what has been going through my mind since this weekend you get it all because that's what I gave to them and as you will hear, they encouraged me to share it with you, and and I'm in total agreement uh, with that. So, without any further ado, here is the recording of my hot seat with my green room mastermind from Wednesday, May twentieth, two thousand fifteen. Mark is out this week, and I am in the hot seat. So I guess I'll get started. It's a little odd to do hot seat for me each uh, time it comes around because this year. As you guys know, I've made a determination that my health and fitness is my primary focus this year, and I made a, an intentional decision to put my health and fitness way above and beyond my business pursuits. And the reason for that, of course, is because for so many years, for the first eight years of running this business, I was so far to the extreme on the opposite end that I felt like it would be okay to have a financial hit this year for me to swing to another extreme so that by the end of this year, I come back to a little bit more of a balance 
when I actually am pursuing new business things. So in this hot seat, as you might imagine, and probably for the rest of the hot seats until about November of this year, don't expect me to come and talk about, you know, what my vision for 2016 and beyond is because I'm deciding ahead of time not to think about those things, although that may sound crazy, but it is, it's what I've decided to do. So instead, you probably hear me talk a lot more about, you know, family stuff, fitness and health and and stuff like that. And the little bit of business that I do have going on. And of course, when I say a little bit of business, that means that I'm only working about 30 to 40 hours a week, which is what some people would consider normal. And and I hope will be like a new normal for me moving forward. Anyway, with that out of the way, where do I begin? I, I know that all of you are aware of this past weekend. I'll start with my win, obviously, and that is that I did cross the finish line of my triathlon. That was a huge win. It's something that I have been preparing for uh, for six months ever since I made that commitment to Ken Davis, my mentor in this area, that I would run it and complete it, and I did, and and I'm very thankful for that. But obviously, uh, the the night I went to down to Tennessee the day before the triathlon on Friday night, and my son decided to go down with me, and he was going to cheer me on. So I took him out of school half day, and he was happy about that as well. And had dinner, we, me and Matthew, Matthew and I, we had dinner with Ken and his family. And that evening, went back to our hotel room, uh, went to bed really early, about 10 o'clock in the evening, I think, that central time. So it was about 11 o'clock my time. And, uh, you know, I was fast asleep, and then I got a call in the middle of the night saying that... Uh, um, my father had passed away, my, my, my biological dad. I know that, um, I, I, I believe everybody in this mastermind group has maybe heard me, you know, maybe slightly reference the fact that my biological father and I, my, my dad, uh, did not have the greatest of relationships. Um, he, from the time, from the earliest memories that I have of my dad, he's, he's always been an alcoholic um, he has been a drug addict, uh, both, uh, recreational kind of drugs and, uh, and a lot of prescription drugs. It was a pretty terrible way to live, but, uh, that was the lifestyle that he chose to live for most of his life. And, uh, so I have some very, very mixed memories of my early childhood. My mom and dad got divorced when, when I was probably about two, uh, and my stepdad, who is I, I, you know, I consider him every bit as much my dad, and and my father is as a biological father. Anybody would consider their biological father, and and so my stepdad's been my dad since I was like four or five. I can't remember, but yet, you know, my I, I'm just gonna call him my dad for the rest of this. So you know, I have two dads, but for the rest of this, I'm gonna be talking about my biological dad, not my stepdad, but. Um, when I was young, uh, you know, my mom and dad, as I said, were divorced, and there, there were, there were a lot of times that, um, you know, he had time to spend with me, uh, and and you know, would take me for the weekends or for you know just different trips throughout the week. And obviously, my mom was not crazy, and she didn't let him take me when when she felt that there might my life might be in danger because of his lifestyle. And, and so there, there are some times when I was a kid that I remember having, you know, just 
what I guess and, and assume to be normal times with your dad and 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 things that were kind of fun. Uh, but at the same time, there are some things that, you know, a little bit of memories of of staying at his apartment and him, you know, uh, you know, throwing up all night long, if you will, and and having a hangover the next day and and stuff like that. So I have I have different kinds of memories of that. And when I was older, you know, eight, ten, and and in, in you know my early teens, my dad had seemingly tried to make some lifestyle changes and and stuff like that. And there's some really good memories that I have uh, here and there, but. Against you know, splattered inside of those memories are are little odd things that he would do or say that would be incredibly embarrassing to me. The way that he would treat others in public and and it, and I found it so humiliating. Uh, and really, it wasn't until I became an adult, uh, eighteen years old and and beyond, that I made the decision that I no longer wanted to be humiliated in public while with him and. Over the last 10 to 15 years, really the only times that I would actually see him uh, for the most part is once on Thanksgiving and once on Christmas. And you guys probably have heard me mention that right around uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, I experienced a little bit of depression and I'd always thought that it was seasonal affective disorder. But this past year, I, I'd become, actually, I, it, I've been thinking about it and really for the last two to three years, and certainly this past year, I, I became convinced that I don't have seasonal affective disorder. I have repressed feelings and emotions that I have had undealt with uh, that, you know, January through, mo- through all of October, I completely ignore the existence of that relationship. And then, unfortunately, I... I I let all of that stuff in in November and December and and then, you know, do it out of obligation and guilt and then bottle it all up and go back into productive mode for 10 more months. And so anyway, that's the kind of relationship that I had with my dad. My dad was was uh, somewhat crazy. He did some really stupid things. I mean, we're talking like just things where he uh, uh, held a knife to my stepdad's neck once begging for when he when my stepdad would not give him money to buy drugs uh that's when i was a kid and i was upstairs and i that story i've been i've heard many times from many different people it, it's some crazy stuff so obviously um when i got this phone call and, and by the way my my dad had uh some pretty serious medical issues a couple years ago and that was a difficult time for me uh because I did not feel that connection to him, and and at the same time, I felt obligated as his only son. Uh, you know, he doesn't have any other children. Uh, he doesn't have any brothers or sisters, and uh, his my grandparents on that side passed away when he was just an older teen. So, I mean, and and I understand and I realize that he had some things, you know, in his life that that caused him to. You know that maybe didn't cause him, but, but you know things that led up to making him making the decisions that he did in his life. So I don't blame him or hold him, you know, accountable to that and, and stuff. But anyway, just just to say all of this stuff to say that you know we had a complicated relationship and one where honestly I, I I'm I'm trying to get let let go of the guilt that um that 
for the last several years, I've kind of treated my relationship with my dad similar to the relationship that I would have with um, a, a partly a stranger. You know, it, it's just holding him at arm's length, not allowing myself to be hurt or uh, humiliated by him and and trying not to allow myself to think that I might one day become a dad like to my kids that he was to me and and just all of that emotional baggage and stuff. So when I, I the only reason I share that, that with you guys is because when I got that call, I was in complete shock on on Saturday morning or like we're talking like just after midnight. And uh, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. I I, I was actually emotionless. Uh, it, it was like I was outside of of any emotion, outside of any experience. And and I was like, what do I do? Um, how do I, how am I supposed to feel about this? Um, and and guys, I, I'll I'll be honest with you. There there was there was the thought that you know I I really should feel grief about this I should feel this terrible loss uh and 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 by the way those feelings did actually come uh the next the next morning the next day and the next evening um but there's a very honest and transparent emotion that I had and 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 it it's hard for me to admit this to you guys but there was a part of me that had relief that this portion of that relationship was over and and man if there's anything that i have to still process and get over is the fact that the thought of relief of somebody dying is is just beyond imagination for me but anyway that that's what i've been dealing with and uh so i got on the phone with my wife I woke her up, obviously, and uh, she was there for me. We talked, and uh, I texted. She she was making some phone calls with family because you know I was halfway asleep when when uh, the person called to to talk to me, and and I said I'm not even sure if what I heard was real or or what I heard. I I I, I was just in shock, and so she she was making some phone calls, and uh, during that time I. Uh, Ray and I had a call a, a couple weeks ago uh, where I had talked to him about some issues that I was having with my dad at the time, and and uh, as a result of of connecting with Ray on that, I, I texted Ray. Also helped that he was three hours behind me, but still it was still late in, late in the evening for me to contact Ray, and and so I was texting with him because I didn't think that I could pick up the phone at that time, but. Ray Ray asked me if you know I wanted to talk. He he said um, I could call. And and we texted back and forth, and then I you know Stephanie called and and I took the call from her and and we talked for a while and and I was like you know one question I have is you know do I come home you know should I I guess I should come home you know I know that I have this triathlon in the morning but I probably the you know the the right thing to do I guess is to come home and and my wife says well what do you want she says the right thing to do is what you want to do you know. If you want to complete the race, then you should complete the race. And I'm like, it, it. My concern was I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what the right thing to want to do was. And so I asked Stephanie. I said, and and as Stephanie and I are having this conversation, 
my phone buzzes, uh, meaning that a text message had just come in. You know, and I figured it was probably Ray. But Stephanie and I are having this conversation of should I or should I not do this race? And I was feeling like I, I'm here, I've trained for it, and, and I'd, before talking with Stephanie, I'd already made the decision I was not going to run the race. And as I was making that decision, I immediately regretted it. I, 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 felt, I felt like a failure at that very moment. The, the moment I said, well, I'm not going to run this race, I, I feel like, not, I, let me rephrase that. I did not feel like a failure. I, 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 that is not true. I feel like I had failed to reach a goal. Um, those are two very different things. And I want you to know that I did not feel like a failure because I was not a failure. Uh, even if I had decided not to run the race, I was not a failure uh, because for six months, I prepared myself for that race. I, I had every intention. I was there. I, I was, it had that, not of, that call not to come in, I would have run that race and I would have excelled at it. And, and so I know that I'm not a failure. But having had made the decision at that moment in time, I decided, you know, I, I'm not going to run this race. I feel like I failed. I, I, I'm like, this is something that, you know, I know that this is something I can still accomplish. I can push it forward. I can choose another race and I can still accomplish this goal. But the thing is, is I wasn't even all that crazy about doing a triathlon in the first place. And the only reason I was there that weekend was because I had made a commitment to someone. Uh, this this triathlon really didn't mean anything to me personally. Um, it, it was just simply something I was doing because I made a commitment and I thought it was going to be the motivator I needed to, to stay up with this commitment to work out six days a week every week uh, for those six months. But the reality is, is that race had nothing to do with my motivation after the first couple of weeks. And, and I didn't need the race to continue on. And, and if you've seen what I've done since Saturday, you know that to be true. But the reality is, is I wanted to get this thing over with. I made a commitment and I wanted it done with. And I also, I had thousands of people around the world who were waiting to hear that I had completed it. And, and I knew that if I had completed it, it would inspire people in, in, in massive ways. And, and so that was a part of why I wanted to run the race. And so Stephanie and I were having this conversation and again, remember my phone had buzzed and I said, and, and Stephanie says, you should run the race. And, and I'm, and I'm like, don't, she says, don't worry about what other people will think because part, part of me was concerned with, you know, is it going to, is it going to be disrespectful? My question was, is it disrespectful to my dad's life, regardless of any complications we had in our relationship, would it be disrespectful for me to continue to do this thing for my personal benefit moving forward in a time when I should be mourning and grieving a loss of life, regardless of of what that relationship had ever been like? And so that's the question that was going through my mind. And so I asked Stephanie, and Stephanie's like on my side. She she's cheering me. She says, "You you should do this. You, the, there's nothing you can do. He's already passed. There's nothing you can do that a couple hours is going to to make a difference. You should go ahead and do it." And I said, "Do you mind if I call Ray?" Ray offered to allow me 
to call him. Do you mind if I call Ray and, and just pass this by him and, and get some, uh, you know, another perspective? And she says, no, call Ray and, and, and let me know what he says. And so I hang up the phone and I'm getting ready to call Ray, but I remembered that my phone buzzed. And get this, Ray's message came through and this is what he had said. He, and th- this is the text that buzzed as Stephanie and I were having this conversation. Ray wrote these words, and I'm reading it word for word from iMessage. He says, okay, you did not ask, but I feel that I need to share these thoughts with you. It is my hope that these words do not make things harder for you, but rather easier, or at least more clear. If you're fa- By the way, there was some question whether or not my father was still alive and in the hospital trying to be revived, or if he had passed. So that that's what Ray knew at this point. Anyway, he says, Uh, He says, if your father is still alive, you should go and see him. If your father has passed, you should finish the race. I will, of course, uh, respect your decision, whatever it may be. And if I've overstepped my bounds, I beg your forgiveness. And then I asked him if I could call him and Ray and I had a conversation. But it's, it's as if God was speaking to me through Ray that, like, if your father has passed, run the race. It, that, go for it. And, um... I was convinced that running the race was the right thing to do. And as you guys know, I woke up, I, I made that decision that night. I tried to get some sleep, but I did not. I probably got a total of maybe 90 minutes of sleep that night. But I still got up and I got dressed in my triathlon outfit and uh, it was pouring down raining. And I got to tell you guys, it was crazy. Ken Davis told us, you know, hey, if, rather than staying at somebody's place in Nashville like you normally would, I recommend that you get a hotel on Mount Juliet. That way you can wake up, you know, early in the morning and you don't have to drive so far to get to the the park where this race is held. So I followed his advice and even stayed at the hotel he re- recommended, right? So we have to be there by 7.30 and the breakfast place opens up at 6. And so my son and I go down and have breakfast. We leave at 6.30 uh, thinking, you know, hey, we've got an hour, right? So I'm thinking, I, I, had, I had no idea where the park was, but I imagine it's, you know, 10 minutes down the road from where, Kent, well, no, it was 45 minutes down the road. And had I known that, I probably would have punched in uh, the coordinates on my GPS prior to stopping and getting gas and a couple bottles of water at the gas station. Because uh, you're my, and by the way, I had not yet picked up my registration packet and I needed to have my bike in the transition area because they won't let you in the transition area past 7.30 a.m. That's a hard cutoff no matter what. Well, I stopped at that gas station thinking that we're only 10 minutes away. And uh, at 6.40, I punch it in and it says that I'm going to be, your estimated time of arrival on Apple Maps is 7.11. And I'm like, what? You know, that this is much further away than I thought. And so this Apple Maps is taking me there. And I'm like, well, 7-Eleven, we're going to have to rush. I was told that parking is going to be about a half a mile away. So as you might imagine, even if I got to my destination at 7-Eleven, the fact that I have to pick up a registration packet uh, plus all of this other stuff, it, it, it's just how am I going to do this? Um, anyway, Apple Maps, we follow it. It's 7-Eleven. It says you're at your destination. And my destination happened to be a dead-end road in the middle of nowhere. I'm not kidding you. So what do I do? I open up Waze. And Waze says it knows where it's at. And I should be there by 718. 
Well, I pull up, I follow everything that Way says, and Way says it's seven eighteen. You are now at your desti- destination on the left hand side. I'm in the middle of the woods on a road that has no houses on it. I have no. It it, it says you're there, and I'm like, what? I tr- I call Ken. He's like, where are you? I said, I have no idea. He says, what road are you on? I don't know. Waze won't tell me what road I'm on because I'm on the road. Um, and he's like, he says, can you, anyway, he, he, he was breaking up. He had bad reception. Finally, I switched over to actual Google maps. Um, and I typed in the address again and it took me there. I got, I pulled in, uh, to the, the area where I could see everything at seven 26 a.m. 7:26, and again, they will not let you in at seven after 7:30. I pull up to the cross section. I could see where the transition area is. Literally, the bikes are sitting right there, and the officer directing traffic. He said he's pointing pointing me, or he's he's looking at me. I roll down my window and I said, "Where do I park?" And he's pointing me down that way. He sees my bike in the back. He says, "Wait, do you have a bike?" And he says, "Yeah." He goes. Pull over off on to the side of the road. You can park right next to the transition area, but you better hurry up. So he let me park right next to the transition area, uh, and I pull my bike out. Matthew holds my bike. I run and ask him for the registration thing. I had to run all the way to the pool, uh, and then I try to get into the transition area, and they say, I'm sorry, you have to go all the way around the route, around the front. And I sit there, and he, they said, but it closes at 7.30. And I said, I know, it's 7.29. And... Um, so I get to the front, Matthew meets me with the bike, and I try to roll in. They say, sir, you can't come in unless you have your number written on your arm and your leg. And I said, where do I do that? And they said, over there. I said, but you have to close at 730. So they called for the people to come over to me to write my number on, and they let me in. And guys, I walked into the transition area at 730 a.m. Um, it is pouring down raining, absolutely pouring down raining. And from that very moment on, um, I, I went over, met with Ken, just barely made it, just relieved to be there. And from that point forward, I can tell you right now, I was so concerned. The biggest concern I had was the swim. And I did the swim, the, the whole swim in six minutes, and it was absolutely the easiest thing I'd ever done. In fact, the swimming was easier than the bike, and I love biking. The biking went extremely well. I passed at least 40 to 50 people on the 10-mile ride. And uh, Leslie mentioned that when he saw the video, he said it looked like I had just started. That's how powerful I was when I ran across the finish line. Well, uh, I intentionally did not run the first, it's the two-mile run, the first one and three-quarters mile. I completely walked it as normal walk as you could possibly imagine. Didn't even do a fast walk. Just a nice stroll in the park kind of walk. Because my goal here wasn't to compete with time or anything like that. My goal was to complete the race. And honestly, I knew that if I would have run those miles, I would have hurt my hip or my joints because I didn't practice running on pavement. I've only run on treadmills. And for me, my biggest thing is I did not want to injure myself because I wanted to be able to do leg day this Thursday. That was more important to me than impressing people with the time on a, on the run portion of my triathlon. So Leslie, I actually walked three fourths of the running portion and right around the corner from the finish line was when I first started my run. 
and I kind of did a slow jog. But then when I actually rounded the corner, and and not only that, Ken told me because I Ken knew I was going to walk. He says, "Cliff, whatever you do, they have a professional photographer on the other side of the finish line, so just run that last part." And so that's exactly what I did. I ran right, you know, right as we turned the corner to the finish line, and I finished the race. And so. That's it. That that was the whole experience. And after I was finished, I was thankful to have it done. I had completed it. It was, as far as I'm concerned, at that very moment, my mind is like, "Wow, that was great. I completed this 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 thing." And the next thought was, "That was so much easier than I could have ever imagined it would be." I mean, like super easy. And and the swimming part is mostly what I'm talking about. The biking is no big deal, and and I could always walk. <laughs> And, and then run across the finish line. So that's no big deal either. But um, it was so easy. And after I was finished, Matthew was just like beside himself excited. And he says, Dad, if you're going to do this ever again, can I do it with you? And I said, you want to do a triathlon? He says, yes, I want to do a triathlon. And so the only, only reason now that I, I'm thinking that I'll do another triathlon is just because Matthew wants to do one as well. And so we'll probably do another triathlon either later this year or maybe next year. And I'm, I would only do it because my son wants to do it and I would do it with him. But outside of that, uh, man, I, I think I could probably even do like a full triathlon. Because crazy as that may sound, um, I, I, I actually, I don't even think that I could do it. I, I know that I could do a full triathlon. So there you go. That's That was my experience, guys. And, and that's that's whole deal um i came home uh you know met with family had a very uh great conversation with the family that had been a part of my dad's life these last few years and uh really healing time talking with them uh had a, a that emotional fine you know really feeling the loss and and started to the god started to take away the memories of all the bad things and allowed me to remember really great things um, about my my time with my dad. The fact that, you know, that in spite of his lifestyle choices, rem- remembering and knowing for the fact that he did love me uh, and that he was always proud of me, even, even when he was crazy and did stupid stuff, he was always proud of me and loved me and just didn't know how to be a part of my life. Uh, so it, I, I'm doing well. Uh, I don't have that feeling of, relief that he's gone uh that that initially came across my mind although i will tell you that it i it you know knowing that i won't have to deal with that that same style of going back and forth that we've had over the last 5 10 15 years that it there i, I guess there is a little bit of relief but it's 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 not like it's not like that if you know what i mean um i, I I really do. I, I I struggled over the last couple of years wondering, do I really love this man? You know, and more than just loving a st- stranger because God says you should love everyone. Do I do I have any affection for this man? You know, that is my biological dad, and thankfully, I've uncovered the fact that yes, I I have, and the reason why I've been so hurt by the lack of relationship over all these years, and the reason why I've been so stressed is because that that affection for him has been there and and that's been healing for me to realize that so 
that that's that's what's going on there. Um, and just other things that I have on the list to tell you guys is hey, none. Cliff. Yep. Cliff, before you go to that, I just want to say that I am so excited that Mark Mason is not here and you had to record this. Yeah. And and the reason why is because I think this message is so powerful. You really seriously ought to consider making this your podcast episode. I think you want you have such a powerful message here that I think the world needs to hear. And you said that story so perfectly. You really should consider that. You think so? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. 100% I agree. agree. All right. Well, we normally have a strict confidentiality here. And, and basically everything that I've shared here, with the exception of, of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the real authentic uh, thing that I shared early after I received that call, that, that's the only thing that's kind of difficult to share, but I am about transparency and authenticity, and I've been thinking about sharing everything but maybe sugarcoating a little bit of the relationship stuff um, with my dad in pursuing a balanced life, but I think I agree with you guys, and if you guys are okay with me taking a recording of our call, I would, I would, I would definitely put it on there. And I would even consider putting it on your, your primary show, not just your pursuing a balanced life show. You think so? Uh, just absolutely, because... Um, the message here is that what do you do when you've been working so hard trying to pursue a goal and then out of nowhere something beyond your control occurs and you're tempted to quit? Um, that's really the message here, and there's a lot of deeper messages going on here, but I just think it's such a powerful message. I think it's one of the best stories I've ever heard you share. All right. Well, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, there's a lot in that. It's very emotional. There are a lot of lessons. I mean, I felt myself being tugged along through this story with you. Um, I, I think it's powerful, and sharing it would definitely be a good thing because it would. I think it would help so many people. So I agree. All right, done. I was definitely going to share the story. Uh, I, I certainly would. I shared a lot more here with you guys than than I may have shared, but I, I agree. And, and, and there, I mean, my dad never tried to hide his lifestyle. He, I mean, he, I mean, he, so yeah, I, I, I think, I think that I will. I mean, it, yeah, I, I will. And, and I think, you know what, it, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off because I was kind of concerned. What do I talk about tomorrow on podcast answer, man? Um, and I knew what I was going to talk about in pursuing a balanced life. And what I'll do is I, I, I will actually make this, both, I, I will make this the next episode of both Podcast Answer Man and Pursuing a Balanced Life. I will, I will combine those two episodes and put it out into both feeds. I think your audience will respect you for it. I think that uh, they'll understand, and I think that they'll actually, um, they'll actually find it very valuable. I agree. So, guys, that I mean, that that's that's what I wanted to share with you. Um, obviously, you know, I. I've allowed myself to really get deep into my feelings and processing them, um, you know, in, in several different areas. There have been some times when, you know, just some things need to get done and I've kind of just forced myself to stay focused uh, on a few things that have to get done, you know, but then of course there's been, you know, following up on uh, funeral arrangements and obituaries and and all this other stuff and, and scheduling uh, memorial and funeral or, and, and um, cemetery stuff, and on top of that, you know, I, I do have to to continue to provide for the family, and so I have to. I, I've got 21 students signed up for A to Z. I have two that are reserved spots, but I still need to p- 
well, not need, but would really like to sell seven to nine more spots of A to Z to fill it up. And um, moving forward, I mean, the my health and fitness is still my number one goal. It's still above my my business this year. Um, since I, I mean, the day after my triathlon, I did a twenty point five mile bike ride. And I've been at the gym for a cardio workout. I went to a gym last night for a chest and tricep workout. It's been very therapeutic for me to have these training sessions. Uh, they're more therapeutic and and contemplative than 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 normal. And I'm thankful to have those those times by myself. You know, other people have have called and said, "Hey, do you want to talk? You know, how are you doing?" And and honestly, I've I've kind of enjoyed a little bit of time by myself you know, for an hour to two hours at a time working out to kind of process how I feel and what's going on in my head. So I kind of, a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a good 20 or 30 mile bike ride later today, um, is, is what I plan on doing to, to process some more thoughts and feelings and emotions. And, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm committed to this and, and I, you know, as at this moment in time, there's, there's no other triathlon or race or anything like that in, in my mind. Uh, so just further proof that it, it's not a race that I'm training for, but it's every single day making the decision to do what I did on November 14th. And that is to live fully alive every single day, uh, putting my health and fitness first and, uh, putting my, you know, time with my wife and my kids and, and making sure that that's a priority over my business, uh, and, and reversing, uh, the decisions to, to try to fit my, uh, health and fitness and family life around the work that I, I need to get accomplished and, and tra- transitioning my mindset to saying, you know what, I want to accomplish health and fitness goals and family goals, and I want to try to fit my work into the slots that are left over. That, that's been the real shift in my mind, and, and I think it's why I've had the success that I've had over these six months. And oh, by the way, just so you know, I, I did a blog post over at podcastanswerman.com slash six months. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but it shows the the November 14th picture of me and the May 14th picture of me, which is exactly six months to the day when I made the decision. And um, and it, it's got some before and in progress pictures that are that, that shows what I've got accomplished. And uh, that's been really rewarding, but it, it's certainly... I. I you know, the one thing I can tell you is this race was easy, but there were there's another f- person that that ran this race that I that I am familiar with who they are. I had met them, and this race was not easy for that person. But when we were standing in line for the swim, I asked, "So, how much have you prepared? Have you trained for this?" And he said, "Not at all." And and he he had a difficult time. And I think the reason why the race was so easy is because. I've I've built up that endurance and and worked out for a minimum of 45 minutes to sometimes two or three hours a day every single day, six days a week for six months leading up to the race, which is why why I was able to do what I did and and so that's it that that's that's my hot seat, guys. Any any thoughts? Yeah, one more thing I want to sh- what I love about your story, Cliff, is it's a story about a father and a son, but it's not a story about a father and a son at first glance of what it seems. It's a story about you and your son, because at the end, it's what happens with your son that would have never happened. Yeah. And it's also about a father in heaven and the fact that you are one of his children. So I think it's just such a cool story on so many different levels. 
guys, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, there's there's a you know, there's the slow motion video of me crossing the finish line, which, by the way, that was totally my son's idea. You know, I had just given him given him my phone and asked him to take some pictures. But it was his decision to 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 use the slow mo version of the the video camera on of me going across the finish line. So that's that that's out there, you know. And there's pictures of me standing with Ken, and there's pictures of you know there there's other pictures of me in the pool swimming and stuff like that. I haven't felt the need to post any of those pictures online. But um, I tell you what, after the race and after Matthew so proudly says, Dad. I want to do one of these with you. I, I I want to do one of these. And I I asked him. I said, "Do you feel bad that I didn't invite you to be a part of this one?" He goes, "No, Dad. I I would I wouldn't have known that this is what I wanted had I not seen you do it." Um. And he and he told me how proud he was of me. And and he says, "But I I, I he says if you if you'll do another one, I'll 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 do one with you. I, I'd like to do one with you." And right after he said those words, I I he 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 put you know he gave me the medal that I got for the triathlon I put it around my neck and and asked him to take a picture with me and we took a selfie and I'm telling you guys that I've taken a lot of selfies with my son and and there's some really good ones um the proudest moment of my life and and the best time that I've ever had with my son is is captured in an image that I took right there <laughs> You're not the only one tearing up. <laughs> That's awesome, man. But it's the I got a big I got a big smile on my face, Cliff. It's the Huge. it's the lock screen on my phone right now. And it's the most awesome picture of me and my son I've ever seen in my life. And to me that was the moment that I knew that I made the right decision to run the race. Podcast. Add some man.